ready for the interview And if you get a cue live on the laptop Watch what I'm gonna do Welcome to the show Let them know we got a point of view Hey, yo, let's have a combo. Say what you feel, be real That's the motto Real talk, pronto Doctor D, PhD, hit the intro Hold up, wait Gotta be social Network global A home for the locals Gotta be social Network global A home for the locals Tori, thank you so much for spending a little bit of your time with me today. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Tori Gordon. So as I was telling you before we got on here, it's just, you know, it's, it's just a free-flowing conversation. So just like two strangers meeting each other, like hmm. tell me a little bit about your life. Where, what's the genesis of Tori Gordon's beginning? Oh, man. Where, where do I start? I mean, uh, I am originally from Alabama. Uh, I grew up in Tuscaloosa, where the University of Alabama is. So uh, it's about three hours from where I currently am located in Atlanta and spent most of all my childhood there. Grew up to some Alabama, as an Alabama football fan, of course. And um, so Crimson is in my blood Roll for tide. sure. Roll Tide. Um, <laughs> but had an awesome childhood. I mean, growing up there, my parents were both professors and also musicians. So have that creative uh, side to me, but also really value education, really value like knowledge and learning ultimately. So I feel like I'm just like a lifelong student. If I could just get paid to learn things and to like <laughs> discover more about the things I'm interested in, that's ideal for me. Um, and then yeah, I've been on just this path of finding myself and knowing myself deeply um, over the past several years. And that's uh, taken me from a corporate career in sales and sales training to starting uh, a business and what's kind of becoming a, a media company and also coaching company and um, just really committed to um, evolution and expansion and growth personally and professionally. And just like you enjoy, um, having conversations with like-minded people who are just open-minded and willing to learn and grow and like get uncomfortable. Cause the last few years have been definitely a lot of risk-taking, trying new things, being willing to change my mind, start over, fail, yeah. get back up. So there's just been um, a lot of that. And I think there will continue to be, but learning a lot as I go. So you talked a little bit about like finding yourself. Mm -hmm. I, I caught on to that. I like a hooked it. What was, yeah. what started that journey of finding yourself? Mm, yeah. Well, I think if in order to find something, um, it's a byproduct of feeling lost. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and that's certainly where I was several years ago. Um, I went through several different big losses in my life um, consecutively, starting with my sister in 2011. I lost her to leukemia. And I say loss, and I, I lost her. She's not lost. Uh, and I right. kind of take that back. But um, she passed from leukemia in 2011. And then we lost my three grandparents and uncle and my mom was diagnosed with stage four ovarian cancer and passed 10 days after my 27th birthday. So in that span of time, I lost touch with myself and who I really am and what I really wanted from life. And I was sort of just in survival mode and really just getting through uh, day to day. And when that happens and we're not intentional, we're not conscious about uh, the choices we're making or what we're doing, we're just getting through, we're just surviving. We're kind of, I was on autopilot much of that time. And it wasn't until my mom passed away that I had this space like in my life where there was no imminent threat or like danger of losing something. And so for the first time in a long time, I uh, had space that I didn't know how to fill it. Mm -hmm. And I tried to fill it with like going out and kind of surface level relationships and different like 
relationships that I'd been in and all the things that kind of my friend group at the time was doing, but all of those kind of big traumatic things in my life had really reprioritized, like reshifted my priorities and what was meaningful and valuable to me. And so I felt just this big gap between what my life looked like and what it was and what I wanted it to be. And so that journey of getting to know myself again, more than anything, uh, was kind of catalyzed by, um, finally having the space to like spend time asking myself important questions like, Hey, why do I do the things I do? Like, does this thing really fulfill me? Am I really happy? And if not, am I willing to sit with that answer, you know, and find, be willing to change my mind and do something new and be seeking out, uh, things that are more fulfilling. So what have you sought out that feels like it's, Hmm taking care of that space a bit, a bit more? Yeah, I think it started um, with just getting curious internally. And, and like I said, asking really powerful questions and seeking help. Um, you know, when we feel directionless, purposeless, lost, um, we ask, ask for directions. And that was one of the first things I started to recognize um, was this common thread in my life where I, um, I always looked outside of myself for the answers and I asked other people what I should do or how, like, what, what do you think would make me happy? Do you think this is the thing I should do? You know, what do you like, get your opinion on it. But, um, sometimes in that's where we have to start. And that's where I started, you know, and I did, I sought mentorship, I sought coaching, I sought therapy. Um, and, that was helpful. I, I was um, intentional about the spaces that I put myself in um, and the people I surrounded myself with. I knew that I wanted to seek out support that would help me inquire within myself because there was something I always knew. I knew that I had the answers within me. I just didn't know how to find them. Like I didn't know how to connect with those parts of me because they'd been yeah. just kind of covered up for so long. So uh, that's one of the things I did. And I started to um, intentionally create different spiritual practices that allowed me to become more present and attuned to what was really true, what was really happening underneath the surface of all of my patterns of distraction and coping that I'd really become like dependent on. So meditation was a huge thing for me. Uh, yoga actually was kind of my bridge into a lot of that because it was the first time I remember like feeling present in my body again and feeling like, oh, this is what it feels like to be here with your yeah. breath and with your body. Um, and then ultimately uh, that kind of path led me into uh, breath work, and, which was completely transformational and set me on a path to become a facilitator of that. And really just finding practices that could help me clear the noise mm. and all of the distraction and help me find my center. Like what is there and present for me when all of that gets kind of silenced? Yeah. And, um, you know, one of the easiest practices I find is just being still and sitting in silence. And that's one of the things like, I find that not just me, but my clients in my community as well. A lot of us like avoid like the play <laughs> we can, but it's, it's a powerful practice. You ever like, been in a car with someone and you know people are always trying to chat and then it's just silent mm. in the car you can tell people don't like it so just kind of mm. bring up random stuff mm -hmm. instead and uh i totally agree with that it's like it's almost like being silent is like a bad thing to so yeah. many people it's like letting that that hum of the nothingness be there mm -hmm. feels foreign to, and I, I feel like it feels more foreign now in our current society you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I remember, um, I remember a time I started to travel alone during this period and mm -hmm. that was really helpful for me. And I went out to Utah and it was a, a friend that I just met. Like it was not a long-term friendship or relationship or anything, but somebody I just met and was like, Hey, you should come out to Utah. Like I'll show you, uh, you know, we'll take you skiing, doing different things I'd never done before. And I was just trying new things because I was really just trying to get to know what I liked, what I didn't like. Yeah. And I remember being on the top of this mountain 
in Park City, Utah. And it was completely white. The snow was absolutely beautiful. And we're at the top of this mountain. And I just laid back into the side of the mountain and put myself in the snow. And I remember it being completely silent. And just thinking to myself, I have no idea when the last time I was silent was. And that it was like, there was nothing. It was like no birds, no wind, no cars, nothing. And it was just this pure, there was purity in it. And I just thought, oh, like this, there's like a sweet spot in this like silence. And I, and I, to your point, I think in our culture and society, it's, we're so, we're like numbed by the like buzz of the world all the time that we don't know how to be in the in-between, like without Mm. all of the chaos, like. Yeah. The in-between is a good way of putting that. It's like what, there is no in-between half the time, you know, it's just a constant stream, even like what you and I are doing, like we're having a conversation. How many people just sit down and talk to somebody? Mm -hmm. Just have a conversation with somebody they don't know. Yeah. You know, and say, okay, let's see how it goes. Maybe it's great. Maybe it's awkward. You never know. You know, Mm -hmm. that's the beauty of it. Yeah. I, um, I'm grateful for this conversation because earlier today I was having, um, a conversation with myself and somebody on my team. And I have just been feeling like a call to create more space for this in Mm -hmm. my life and in my business. Um, so often we just get like swept up in business and work and the world of like, just moving forward and like the hustle. hustle. And even if we're like pretty intentional and like have these big goals and we're like, I'm focused on really making a difference. All of that is to say, like, I still am busy. Like, why is the first thing when we (laughs) ask somebody, Hey, how are you? You're like busy, busy. Yeah. (laughs) Busy. Why? And I, and I'm like, I want to be more intentional and give myself permission. Like I had to give myself permission, just be like, some of this is not like a lot of this is not needed. Like, I feel like I'm about to go through a purge of like getting rid of a lot of things that I do. And like that I have that just aren't necessary and needed to create more space for conversations like this, Mm -hmm. for just getting into a space of creativity and which is for me, it's activated by stillness, by flow, by meeting people, by finding things that inspire me, not just being like, okay, what's the next thing I have to get done? What's the next thing? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I feel very similar. Like I had that same thing for years. I was just like, it's just constant running. You know, you're just on a hamster wheel. Yeah. And then like, I know myself, like if I keep like if I don't set these boundaries, I'm just going to take on more clients. I'm going to do more work and stuff. So I like actually started my podcast as a way to like stop myself from working Mm -hmm. and doing other things and having this space just to talk to people like yourself. Because if I didn't, I would just fill it with other work and things of that Mm -hmm. nature, you know? Yeah. Well, and for, for me, I know, I don't know about for you, but like that comes from a deeper wounded part of me that always believed that I was only worthy if I was productive and mm. I was getting things done and I was accomplishing things because right. I learned at a young age that I was loved when I performed. Mm. Really? You're, so is that from your parents that they provided that sense or who? who did um, you know, consciously or unconsciously, I definitely picked it up. I think um, they did put an emphasis on like they had a standard in terms of they expected me to get good grades. Yeah. Um, I actually went to a school where we didn't have grades at all. And my first grade was in sixth grade was the first time I ever got a letter grade. Wow. And the fact that they put me into an elementary school where we didn't have anything standardized and there was a huge emphasis on the arts, on language, Mm -hmm. that was the best thing they could have ever done for me. Right. As soon as I got into structured school and I started the first test grade I ever got was a 59. Yeah. And I thought I went from being doing incredible in, you know, elementary school to thinking, Oh God, like this is my first letter grade. And I remember then 
my dad told me something. He said, if you don't like how you feel, change it. Yeah. And I didn't like the way that I felt when I failed the test. And so I learned then, oh, I have to work hard or I have to do more to not feel this way. Hmm. And I'm almost like putting, I've never actually like put those things together until right now, as I'm saying it. Um, but then I just learned how to perform. I mean, I was MVP of every sports team. I was over a 4.0 student, but the, the thing is, as soon as I started to get A's and I learned it wasn't cause I had to, my parents knew that I was capable, but now I had the standard for myself. Mm. It wasn't like, Oh, you're going to get in trouble if you don't make A's. It was like, no, I was that like hard on myself. And I had that expectation and that's just carried me through. And so at some point this, my identity and my worth got wrapped into, um, doing. And I think a lot of us, we don't, that's why we feel like rest is unproductive. (laughs) Yeah, most definitely. I I hear that a lot. It's also kind of like, how do you define yourself? You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, if somebody asks you, you know, if you meet somebody out and you say, well, what do you do? We always ask what they do. Right. We never ask who they are. Mm -hmm. Just what do you do? It's always what you do, who you're defined by is your work. Yeah. Yep. Versus, like, what's your value system? What, who are you innately as a human? You know, like nobody mm-hmm. ever asks you that. Yeah. Can you imagine walking down the street and being like, hey, nice to meet you. So who are you? Not like, <laughs> so what do you do? They would be like, what? But maybe yeah. that's like, that'd be a fun like exercise because I think it would open up such like more meaningful conversation because we have such canned responses. Yes. Yes. And my daughter told me, I have a 10 year old daughter and we had this like crazy conversation yesterday. We're like sitting down and we chat in the evening and she's like, daddy, I don't like when people ask me like, how am I doing? She Mm -hmm. goes, and everybody always says, or if you ask somebody, they always say good, but are they really good? She's 10. She's -hmm. like, I just want to tell the truth. Like if Mm -hmm. somebody asked me, how am I doing? I want to be like, I'm not doing great today. Mm-hmm. Just to like, like we need to break these cycles of canned obligatory responses. Yeah. You know? Well, and I think we do that. You know, if we ask ourselves, like, why do we do that? It's like, I used to say there were a couple of reasons why I would play that persona that everything okay. was good. Right. Either I don't trust you. So you don't deserve to know. Mm. I don't trust myself with um, how I'm feeling. I don't trust how I'm feeling. And so I'm scared to sh- uh, like share that if I don't, because maybe I, my feelings weren't validated. So I'm like questioning even if like what I'm feeling is true or um, I don't have time. So I don't want to get into it. A lot of us are like, I don't have time to get into it. If I just like actually tell you what's going on and it's going to take a lot. (laughs) So like, I'm just trying to get onto the next thing. And it's almost, it's this like barrier to intimacy. Like we don't want to go deep. Like we just don't want. And the other thing is like, I don't trust myself because I'm not honest with myself. Mm. Like I'm, I'm pretending my, to myself that I'm good. Like I'm trying to convince myself by saying, yeah, I'm good. I'm fine that I'm better than I am. And one of the things I say is like, when we say I'm fine, uh, it's feelings internally not expressed. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Wow. That's different. It's, uh, I, I, you know, I meet people all the time, every day I'm with my clients all the time and everybody's, you know, the same responses. And when they do that to me, they're like, Oh, it's okay. I'm like, why is it just okay? Or what's so like, you don't seem like you're happy. Like, what's the thing? And then they're like, oh, you're interested in asking about this? Yeah. Well, yeah. We're going to actually go there. We're going to actually talk about this. And it like always throws people off Mm -hmm. for that. Yeah. So like, let's do it. You know, this is a great opportunity, right? I meet you, Tori. I don't know you. Mm -hmm. Who are are you? Who are you Mm -hmm. today? Yeah. Who am I today? I am a... Um, 
I'm an infinite soul in a human body and a personality that is ever evolving, growing, expanding, learning, um, who is deeply committed to uh, truth and knowing myself and expressing that in the world. Um, who's unlearning a lot of mm. um, things that don't serve me. Um, and someone who is um, curious about what makes life meaningful um, and worth being present for. And so oh. that's kind of the path that I'm on. Can you imagine like somebody asks you that and you tell them that might they just meet you? <laughs> They're like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, if you would have asked me that question several years ago, I would have given you a completely different answer. You know, I would have yeah. identified myself with all my labels and I'm a daughter and I'm a mm. friend and I'm this, and you know, like yeah. my achievements. And um, that's just the way I see myself is just very much, it's just, expanded i see my humanness and also my divinity and all mm -hmm. of that the intricacies like of that in between and i finally i feel like i'm at a place where i can hold space for both you know man that resonated with me greatly greatly i feel extremely similar mm -hmm. to you about that like if you asked me that I would say I feel I'm a person who has lived many lifetimes within the same lifetime. Mm -hmm. And that uh, I, it's funny, I could hold those, I hold a tremendous space for faith, divinity, and my flaws as a person mm -hmm. at the same time. And all my podcasts I do is it's education. Always want to be educated. I do it for me, honestly. Yeah. I really do because I like to meet random people. Hmm. and learn, learn from them hmm. and, and have other people witness or listen to the union of two strangers meeting each other. Hmm. There's something special about this. I feel like we're not doing it enough. Yeah. Like that's the original language of humans meeting each other, holding space for each other. And it's kind of like, we're trying to, in some way, take that away from ourselves hmm. a little bit with all of the kind of process communication that we have. Yeah. Whether it's texting, email, we're trying to like make that the dominant form of communication. Mm -hmm. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I mean, the thing that came to mind as you said that is, you know, when you're online, I think I was at, I, I run a podcast too, and I had to recover a recording. Yeah. And so I was on their website and this bot pops up, right? And it's like, pick from these answers. Like, do you need help with something technical? Do you need this? Do you need this? And like, here are your options. And our form, it's like these canned responses, right? It's like, we're, it's now in our technology. It's now in our language and the way we communicate, um, when we do actually, you know, people don't talk on the phone anymore. We're texting, we're doing all the things and much less face-to-face -face or like having just an unscripted, Hey, let's just chat. Like we are getting further and further away from, I think just authentic, like true connection, even though we, yeah. we tell like, tell ourselves and we say we're more, more connected than ever. Mm -hmm. Like in my experience, people also feel more isolated and alone yeah. than ever. I feel the same way. And I feel like it's almost the thing when you have too many options, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, if you look at a menu and there's like six pages of things, you're going to default to whatever is comfortable for you, what you like, Yeah, you know, it's, but if you're given like a few options, you're kind of more open to trying a couple of different things or that. Mm -hmm. I feel like we have too many options for communication. So then we come, become paralyzed by all this communication and we go, well, I don't really want to have to express who I am in a long form. So I'll just 
text somebody or I'll send them an email. And then the other thing is then I won't get back to them either. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll make them wait or I'll just forget because I'm on, I'm overloaded with all these things coming into my life all the time. It's a strange thing to me. And you just said something else that hit, which was like, I don't want to tell somebody who I am for whatever yeah. reason. And it's like, for me, the reason I didn't want to do that is because I didn't know who I was. Mm. And I think there are a lot of people I would even like go as far as say, like probably most people that we meet, like they're so disconnected from themselves. If you invite them into a space to explore that question, like, who am I? Who are you? I want to know you. It, it illuminates something they haven't been looking at themselves, which is, I don't know. Right. Like, I don't know how to answer that question. Or we go to our, you know, our traditional responses. But if we actually ask, like, why do we do that? It's like, well, because I don't know what else to say. And if we don't spend time and stillness, silence and like intentional connection with ourselves and other people, it's like, I don't feel confident about answering that question mm. or I don't feel uh, sure. So I, I say what I think is going to sound good. Right. You know, other thing too, is kind of like, you're never closing the loop. Mm. You're never so like, there's a lot of anxiety. And part of that anxiety is you've just hasn't closed the loop on what it means to be you. So if you don't know who you are, it, the, the, the bill has never been paid. Mm. It's always open. Like, I don't know. And that drives us crazy on some level. There's, it's, it's like an unreturned message. It's part of you're not closing the loop. When people are in person or they talk like this, they close the loop. Mm -hmm. They have closure. Mm -hmm. about whatever it is they're talking about. And in society, it's like we have all these open checks all the time. Everybody's leaving the bill on the table. Mm -hmm. You just don't know how to have closure about things. Mm. It's funny, you know, I, um, I, the more I've wrestled with that question, I've sat with that question my answers have changed and I think they'll mm -hmm. continue to change. Yes. But one of the things I think about is uh, I was actually taking a client through this yesterday in terms of like, okay, you can think about who you are, but who do you want to be? Because you might not know who you are. Okay. But who do you want to be? Because you get to decide who you become. And one of the things I asked her to do was um, to think about people that she admired, that she respected, that were um, like people that she uh, really looked up to. And she, you know, if we ask, some people struggle with that more than others, but she, she kind of found a couple people, even if it was like, I was like, it can be a movie character. It doesn't yeah. have to be a real person. Like what are the qualities about that person? Even if it's not, everything about them, like, but the things that you are drawn to about them, what is it? Well, that woman, well, she speaks her, she doesn't take shit from anybody. Yeah. She really speaks her mind. She doesn't let people walk all over her. And that was one thing, you know, and then she started to find these different characteristics. And then I asked her, you know, is there anybody that you don't want to be like? And she mm. immediately was like, yes. <laughs> she was like my mother. Oh, and she was saying all the qualities she didn't want to embody and, and be like. And what we don't realize often is that we have unconsciously, we treat ourselves in the way like we, we commit. We're like, I'll never become like them. I'll never be like that. Um, but a lot of times, like we unconsciously do, we treat ourselves the way maybe our mother treated us. Even if we're not treating everybody else like that, we're doing it to ourselves and we become like the mother, our mother to ourselves. Yeah. And so it's like, there's so many complexities to that question, but I always point people back to, and in myself, it's like, but who do I want to be? Cause that's where I have, I have choice and I have agency to decide what am I going to like, do with my time and my energy and my resources and how am I like 
what are the characteristics I want to embody? And ultimately thinking about death as really, and being up close and personal with death has really helped me with that. And thinking about like, who do I want to be? What do I want to be remembered for? What do like, will I have mattered? Like at the end of the day, when I'm gone from this physical plane, like, will it have mattered? Yeah. And how that is something I think we, we all tend to like push death off to the side, mm-hmm. you know, it's like this thing, we all know what's going to happen, but it's almost sure. like we all think it's not going to happen to them, mm-hmm. to you mm-hmm. in this sense, but it's, it's very stirring and powerful to recognize that because it, it gives a lot of push towards doing things mm-hmm. in life. And I love that, like, kind of like your legacy, what will you be remembered by? I watched this documentary, uh, all Madden, John Madden, famous football coach. And he just recently passed, but it's like the pouring out of how many people love this man. Mm. And the sons saying, not only were you a hall of fame football coach broadcaster, you were a hall of fame dad. Mm. Oh, you were just that good. I never looked at my wife. I said, I want to, that's what I want. At the end, that that's what I want. I want yeah. people to feel a certain way about me because I treated people well. I was kind to people. I loved a lot of people, had a lot of meaningful relationships. And I, I met a lot of awesome people that hopefully I was good to, you know, mm. and I don't know, we don't think about that stuff enough. Yeah, I, um, I agree. And I think that's thinking about and contemplating death and has been one of the most, uh, it served me mm. really well because what you start to realize when you um, go through something like that, like losing my sister, she was 23, you know, and uh, I had to come to terms with a reality that I had not yet faced before, which is um, life is uncertain. Yes. And there is no guarantee. Like we're all, whether it's in our religions, in our faith of whatever kind we have in uh science in all the different things we we like want certainty as a species like we want to be able to say like this is right this is true this is and what i've learned is that like that putting off of death and thinking like it won't happen to us or whatever is that's typically comes from people who haven't had someone close to them die and then I think about, you know, because what death does is it creates urgency yep. and it requires you to acknowledge that your time and your energy are your most precious resources and you can never get them back. And so for me, there was an urgency of realignment in my life of like, no, um, how you're spending your time um, is not aligned with, again, who you want to be what you want in your life. So you're doing things that don't match that. And there is no guarantee that you'll just figure it out later. Like that's not um, certain, you know? And so it put me on, okay, like I get, I've got to get about the business of being me now Mm. (laughs) and not um, saying, oh, well, I'll deal with my trauma later or I'll do that thing later. I'll, uh, we keep putting the things off that we think will be hard. Um, but ultimately they're liberating when we actually allow ourselves to sit with that, like discomfort. Yeah. Like what's later, you know, it's like define late, you know, people, you see exactly what does later mean? Like, what does that mean? You know, yeah. Like 10 years from now, two days from now, like, what does Mm -hmm. that mean? You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so subjective. Um, cause yeah, now is later. So are you ready? <laughs> like it's all just now. It's all just now. It's all just now. And it's just the moment that you decide is when things change, like things change when you choose differently and then you act on that choice. Yeah. And I love like, when you look at the root word of decide, it, it comes from the word to cut hmm. and that choice, that decision means like I'm cutting off from all of these other options. And I'm moving towards this now. Yeah. And 
I think a lot of us, and I've found this in my life, like we want to like have one foot in one foot out. We're like, okay, I want to like <laughs> dabble. Yeah. Um, but, or, or we'll be like, ah, I'm stuck or I don't know what to do, or I don't know what's stopping me. And a lot of us, we do know what's stopping us, or we yeah. do know what we want. We're just afraid to be responsible for it or to mm. like say it out loud. Yeah. That's powerful. We're afraid to be responsible for it. Mm -hmm. The weight of the responsibility. It's almost kind of like if you look at some, look at it educationally sometimes. And I've seen as I've worked in the academic environment where people will stop short of graduation because they don't want the responsibility of having the knowledge now to perform a certain job Mm -hmm. or thing. Mm -hmm. Now my expectation is you must be good at this. Right. Versus if you don't have that, then you can be like, oh, see, I wasn't good at it anyways. I don't have the like, you know, right. you don't have the responsibility. Anyway. Mm-hmm. I can stand behind. Oh, well, I don't have the degree yet. So yeah. I don't have to like, because it's, it's like these prisons that were locked in, in our mind, but there is, it's open on both sides Yeah, and we could walk around to freedom and there is a clear path forward, but it means we're responsible for that. And that we have to choose it. And for, so it's like, we're almost more attached to the comfort of staying small and doing what we've known yes. because that's certain and, <laughs> and actually risking and putting something out there or like saying, Hey, I really want this thing or, Hey, this relationship really isn't working for me. Or, Hey, I want more like a, a deeper connection we would rather settle and be like, oh, but it's really, my partner's really just like the issue than claim what we want and do something about it because it might mean we are alone or it might mean we have to leave that situation. So we don't want to be responsible for what happens next. (laughs) Right. It's kind of like, I love the book, uh, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. It's really mm. good. And yeah, talks the a negotiator. Lot about, yeah, talks a lot about that. But in the sense of like, people are more than willing to take a negative situation because it's certain versus mm-hmm. taking a positive situation that is uncertain yep. about, it may be positive to move away from something, but even if it's negative, I'm used to it. Mm-hmm. You know, you may be used to being extremely unhealthy, even though you want to be healthy, healthier, there's a lot of uncertain of what the responsibility is of becoming a healthier, more well person. It sounds mm-hmm. diluted when you say it out loud. You're mm-hmm. like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. But when you think about it in our biology and just how deep this goes, I mean, if you look at a child who's been abused by his mother, right. And then a police officer comes and tries to take the child into safety, the child will reach for his mother. Right. It's because it's this is all you've known. Yep. Because if we grow up in chaos, we seek chaos because it feels like home. Yeah. If we grow up in, you know what I mean, in with abuse, even if we're in an abusive situation, we want out, something feel it feels familiar. Yes. And we think familiarity is love. Mm. Mm. Like we feel like that is home and love, even though it's not. And we're afraid to, to redefine love, like to say, actually, this isn't love, but I actually have no context for what that does look like. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Wow. And that feels like when you get into that state, you feel like, okay, now I'm just walking around in the dark and I'm just trying to feel for something solid. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. I mean, we all have these definitions of things based off of, you know, environment or upbringing, all these things. And, Mm. you know, if you, if you, if you think about it, like everything you've gone through in your life defines the many things, how you see things. And you look at all of the different, whatever you name a topic that's going on in our country right now. Mm. A lot of it has to do with our, the definitions of what we feel these Mm. things are. And the, and, you know, when you talked about changing your mind, Right. That was something you said, you know, I'm willing to, you know, change my mind and my thoughts. That's a very scary concept for a lot of people because mm-hmm. then it changes how they live. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's scary for people. Mm-hmm. I remember, um, you know, there's many times in my life looking back, uh, 
that I thought I knew it all, you know, I was like, Mm. oh, this is true. And you could like, I will defend this, (laughs) you know, and I will, I will like advocate for this and I will market for that. I will do mm-hmm. all the things like, and, and then um, something happens and your worldview expands and you no longer can fit into that small container. And um, that's, yeah, that's um, really hard for people because our safety and our identity is wrapped up in like these ideologies that we have, like, and if we're, we're attached to them, we're not willing to like see life differently um, because it feels, it feels scary. But when I say like, I I give myself permission to change my mind, I also like literally give myself permission. Like it's okay to change my mind. Like it's okay to believe something today. Like how many things do you believe today that you didn't believe? A year ago that's a good question you know what i mean <laughs> or like like because we've had new experiences like we've had new things where it's like oh maybe this is there's more to this or <laughs> yeah like my idea of what god was you know five years ago has mm-hmm. e- expanded and but if i'm so committed this has to be the way it is yeah. i live in limitation Um, and I think ultimately we're all craving freedom from those limitations. Yeah. I always think a good question to ask, and I was asked, what would make me change this belief? Hmm. What would be the answer? What would the, what would need to be presented to me? Or I would find out to change my idea about this. And I always think that's a good exercise. Like whatever it is you believe in, whether it's social, political, religious, like what would I need to know to change my idea about this? Mm -hmm. And I don't think a lot, anybody, most people don't do that. They don't Mm -hmm. ask that question. They just go, this is just how it is. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's over. Like there's no room for wiggle room. It's just over. And I feel Mm -hmm. that's very limiting in your life, you know? Well, and this, like it is, and it's, it's not just how, yeah, we see, kind of our social structures or government or like anything that's going on in the world, but also like the people in our lives. Like if I, what if like the way I view my mother, Mm -hmm. right. Is, uh, you know, she, she didn't care about me. She didn't love me. She neglected me. She was always busy with her own thing. If I, that's my view of her, it's my perception, right. It's just the meaning that I gave to the experiences that I had. There was circumstance and then I applied meaning on top of it. Mm -hmm. And I just, now my frame of reference and my perception is mom didn't love me. What if I, if I was willing to see that differently, maybe I was willing to see, maybe my mom was so busy working three jobs, (laughs) right? Because this is not my story, but for somebody, you know, cause she was a single mom and she was trying to take care of yeah. two kids or am I willing to maybe my mom was also a traumatized child, you know, that didn't have a mom, you know, yeah. like how would that change my perception? And a lot of times that brings so much compassion and empathy. And when we're in a, a like a, a mental state of a victimhood, we want to be right or just like in our ego, like our ego always wants to be right. Mm -hmm. So it wants to be like, yes, I knew it. She didn't love me. And what we unconsciously do is we go out and we create more evidence for that story. We're like, yep, the world's a mean and nasty place. Yep. The world is not like my friend. Everything's against me. I have to do everything alone, whatever our story is. So I just, yeah, I make it a practice of like asking myself, what's the meaning that I give to this? Mm -hmm. And because that's based on my interpretation and my perception, that doesn't make it true. Right. Right. Most definitely. And you know, it's just like, if this is someone who has a lot of education and science and stuff like that, you know, there's a lot of talk about science and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people, I'm like, science is only good, as good as the time it's in Mm. right now. What we have, you get information and you interpret information and it's good for that time, but it may not be good for a different time. 
it may Until change. you have new information. You have new information. Yeah. Like there's always a lot of new information. The question is, are you willing to receive the new information that may be different than what you've always thought it was? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's the line, hard line for a lot of people is, mm -hmm. nope, I'm not changing my mind. Mm -hmm. I'm like it's new information though. Right. <laughs> right. This changes the game. But yeah, it's even, I was talking to somebody the other day who's very successful entrepreneur mm -hmm. and uh, I was bringing up like crypto and NFTs yeah. and I was like asking them, like, it, it, it was interesting how many um, like quote unquote successful people that I know that are like, I'm not touching it because I'm unwilling to learn. Right. Right. Like, I just don't want to put in the effort to learn even i'm like even though like there's so much information that's saying like this is where we're headed it's like yeah yeah sure but like i just don't want to do it or it's like a <laughs> lawyer who's like a you know yeah. even though like there's outdated systems that like there's a new way to do it that's more effective <laughs> yeah. like no i want to do it the way i've always done it but when i think about like changing my mind it also includes just like what i wanted last year I'm even going through this in my business, like a decision I made a year ago. I'm not a slave to that. Like mm. I, at any point I can decide, Hey, this isn't working out for me. Like, Hey, I don't want this anymore yeah. actually. And that, um, sometimes at least in my experience in entrepreneurships and relationships, you know, it feels like, Oh no, I have to stick with this mm -hmm. because I made this choice. And some part of changing my mind feels wrong. Hmm. Yeah. And you put out all this stuff and you've made all these posts or your things and you're pumped up and it, and sometimes that could feel like failure too, to people. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. And they go, Oh, it's not failure. You just wanted to do something else. Sometimes right. it could be that simple, literally like, yeah, I want to do something else. Yeah. Like this just doesn't feel aligned. <laughs> and it's like, because I have new information. That's the thing. Like I went out and I did something and then I got feedback from my life and my body <laughs> and my, you know what I mean? And I'm like, and then I reassess, is this working? Is this not working? Yeah. And I think wise people ask themselves that question and then they listen to the answer and then they adjust, yeah. you know yeah. what I mean? You have to make adjustments in life. You know, yeah. and I think that's what happens, especially in relationships is people often settle into something and, you know, if it's average, it's okay. It's average, but just stay with it. It's not mm -hmm. hurting me. It's not great, you know, <laughs> but it creates this and people have this inertia mm -hmm. and this inertia keeps you from, it just keeps you going in this straight line. Even if you're unhappy, you're like, well, okay. You know, it's predictable. It's predictable. I know what's going to happen. I know what's for dinner tonight. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Crazy. And, and there's, you know, there's some value in that for people. For and sure. I understand that, you know? Um, so there's nothing, I, I'm not going to be so arrogant to say like, there's a right way. There's no right way. Sure. There's just the way that you choose. And I truly, you know, believe like, we're again, we're the ones that are making meaning out of everything and says it's good or bad or right or wrong. Yeah. You know, it, it just right. is. And then we apply all of this meaning to it. So if we are satisfied with a relationship like that, great. But if you're not, that's okay too. But it's your responsibility to do something about that. That's right. That's the most, I, I always talk to people and I always have a few people that they have that they're like, I need to do something different. I need to change. I need to move and stuff. I'm like, dude, I've been hearing this for like three, four years. Seriously. The same conversation. You've got to change this. When are you <laughs> like, going to do something about gotta it? You've got to do something actually. Yeah. You know, people kind of the, one of the worst things I think, I mean, it's my personal opinion is people, I'm going to manifest this thing. Mm. Like, was, is that just a thought or is there some mm. action along with that too? Sure. Because both those things have to exist. I believe right. in, but you can't just like, you know, I want to be happier. I'll just wait until it happens. I'm just going to have, you know, I was like, well, that's like using hope as a strategy for changing yeah. life. <laughs> you know, like yeah. that's a cop out right? For, from doing anything. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm not an advocate for that. No. I am an advocate for envisioning what you want and pursuing that and moving yes. in the direction of that consciously. Yes. Yeah. And um, allowing the universe to conspire with you as that unfolds. But that requires you to move you in move. a direction. <laughs> yeah. I, I, the way I describe it to people is like a lot of us we want something like we, whether it's a new relationship, we want to start a business, we want whatever it is that we want. And it's like, you're putting a destination into your GPS, right? Mm. And what happens is your GPS first looks at your current location. So you need to know where you're at. Okay. I'm in a, I'm in a relationship that I've, I've settled or I I'm in the city and I want to move to X city. Yeah. Okay. In order to get directions, like it needs to know where you are and where you're going. First of all, if you don't know where you're going and you don't know <laughs> what you want, you're going to sit still for quite a while, right? Yeah, it's just, gonna... exactly. but a lot of people expect it to be like a GPS of like, okay, take a right here, go a mile and then take a left and da, 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 da. And it's like, okay, here's all the directions and I need the directions before I go. Yeah. And life's like, no, you no. need to start moving and then I'll give you the next prompt. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Which made me think, I don't think I've asked anybody this, but how we're speaking, it's pulling me towards it. So you said mm -hmm. like the universe conspires. And I hear this from a lot of people. Mm -hmm. What does that mean to you when you say yeah. the universe? Because I feel it feels very vague when somebody mm -hmm. tells me that. Like I have my own idea of it, but I never ask other people, like, what does that mean to them? You know? Yeah. Um, you know, I think for me, my belief system as it is today, um, is that I am much more than a physical mm -hmm. being. I'm a infinite spiritual energetic being that has a body that's physical mm -hmm. and a personality that makes me human. But, um, my soul is eternal and it's energetic and it, um, is connected to all things. And, um, there is a consciousness in all things and that consciousness, that higher uh, you could call it Christ consciousness. You can call it God. Mm -hmm. You can call it source. You can put any name on it. I don't care. Um, but that I believe in laws of the universe, laws of vibration law, you know, law of attraction is secondary law outside of vibration. And that's why people get in the habit of saying, I'm going to manifest something with how I think actually what happens is it's, it's based on how you feel it's energetic feelings. Emotions are energy in motion. So when I say that the universe is, there's a great book called The Alchemist. If you've never read mm -hmm. it, you should definitely yep. read it. But basically that when I intend something, when I say I'm, I want something, you claim it and you make a choice and a decision. And then you start to move in that direction. You start there's an, a natural unfolding that begins to happen because you've now vibrationally started to shift into alignment with it. So all the things in the universe, all of the, the vibration that I'm also connected with start to make it seem like things are happening, like on my behalf, like it, there's synchronicities or there's this opportunity I meet this person or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it looks like this magic that's happening, but it's, it's a law. It's a, it's a, it's a science. So it's, for me, it's like spirituality and science have merged mm -hmm. in a lot of ways where I used to see, see these things as very separate and in personal experience, what I have found is when I intended something from a place of truth of like, what's really true and authentic for me, which is I deeply desire, um, you know, maybe to start a show, like to ex express myself in a true way and share my learning. And da, da, da. I don't know how I'm going to do that, but I really want to use my voice to speak out and like to share this thing with people. Okay. I've like put that out into the universe. I've, I've like said it. It's not just in me and my head. It's out of me. I've like moved that energy. And now I move towards that intention with my actions. Mm -hmm. 
And now there's this unfolding that happens. And that is, um, for me, a really beautiful thing to watch for myself and my clients, but it really, it comes back to intention. And then there is, there's definitely action that has to be like intentional action, disciplined action, like (laughs) continuing to show up, not just like one time. And then it's like, okay, I'm going to like get this thing. Um, but it's something I continue to study and dive into and understand like, how do I interact with this intelligence? What is my relationship to this intelligence? Yeah. It's in me, it's in me and it's around me. It's this field of information that's that's available. And there's all of these possibilities that exist all at the same time. Like whatever I intend, whatever I focus my attention on, like there's every possibility that already exists in this infinite field of possibility and information. And I move towards the possibilities and the things that I focus on. I get more of. Yeah. I like that. You know, I just, I don't feel like I, I hear that so much and I'm hmm. like, okay, I, my thing is I always just ask people things like, I'm like, well, what does that mean? I say that yeah. all the time. People tell me something, I go, what does that mean? I'm like, just, I just like the operational, yeah. operational definition, your definition of what Yeah, for me, mean? it's just interacting uh-huh. with a higher intel, like yeah. participating with a higher intelligence. Yeah. And co-creating. I actually really think humans are pretty much wired for that. Mm-hmm. And and I know for me, it's been a huge part of my life. And I've always been someone who's been like, listen, you can find science in spirituality and you can find spirituality in science. Mm-hmm. But we've made this huge thing that like, especially people in academics, very cut off from spirituality. Like right. there's it's just black and white. There's no mystery. Yeah. That's what's tangible. And I always think that's just not how I want to be a part mm-hmm. of that. Yeah, the mystical yeah. is not, it, it's like shunned. It's not considered. It's yeah. like, oh, that's, that's uh, no consideration. Right. Yeah. But then it's interesting, you know, um, hearing from other, like, whether I think there's these initiations that happen for people in their lives in terms of like something happens yes was outside your control that's like this an initiation into to the mystical or your like willingness Mm -hmm. to consider like again maybe my beliefs have expanded like what i used to believe was that there was no such thing and then you have an experience maybe you have an accident and you have an out-of-body experience you have a a near-death experience that's unexplainable you you know for me we took my sister off life support Mm -hmm. and i'm with her and then I'm not with her, you know, I'm with right. her physical body, but right. she's not here. That's and how do you start to explain that? And how do I, and so I just, I follow my curiosity and I, and I'm not, and I'm willing to ask questions, even if they disrupt and make the systems uncomfortable. Yes. Yes. And what other, I think also adding to that is what also I think is jarring is meeting someone who is in a let's say a stare let's say if you meet someone who is a scientist mm-hmm. but completely changes your view of what a scientist is yeah like what how from their hair to their sure. swag to you know may, maybe they're into religion or divinity mm-hmm. or spirituality sometimes being the difference like the the person swimming in a different direction changes other people they go yeah. oh i didn't know you could be like that in this oh it can look different this can look why is this isn't yeah. like a monoculture. Like there's a mm-hmm. different way to do this. Mm-hmm. This isn't the same uniform. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like they're, they fall outside the norm. And when anything yeah. falls outside the norm, it disrupts the system because we're like, no, it, we're used to it looking a certain way. Yeah. So if it doesn't, that might indicate that there's more. Yes. <laughs> there's more yes. than what we thought yes. you know what I mean I don't know if you're familiar with Joe Dispenza um, or Joe Dispenza's work mm-hmm. at all but he um is phenomenal he's phenomenal and it's there's so many neuroscientists now that are studying this and seeing these two what used to be very separate schools of thought starting to blend because here's the thing like what used to happen was the mind was studied you know, was 
was kept to the psychologist and the psychiatrist, right? right? The body was Western medicine and the soul spirit was the church, right? And we, right. we kind of kept that way. And now we're seeing, oh, actually the mind and body are distinctly, they're not separate at all mm -hmm. your your body is what is create it's your gut is like your brain it's yeah. creating all of this in your body so we can't separate these well right. what we're saying is we can't separate any of them and they're all intrinsically linked and so yeah joe dispenza he's a neuroscientist that had a terrible accident um and his spine uh, like he was doing like a triathlon or something it was like run over by a car truck or something and he was completely um basically paralyzed and said he would never walk again unless he had this spinal surgery i think and i know this this might be from the documentary heal um, he, I can't remember if that's a great documentary. I can't remember yeah. if Joe was it. It seems it. like his story, but maybe not, you know? Yeah. And he might be in that. And, um, basically on his, like in his bed, he, uh, he knew like the, um, all of the, yes. um, like the workings of a spine and right. he recreated it in his mind. Like he meditated it on it so deeply. And like, in basically he set an intention of what health would look like in his spine and it manifests into physical yeah. form. And so he said, since then he's like dedicated his life to helping people um, create co-create basically with this intelligence and that's through through meditation yeah. so it's yeah it's like these mystical experiences that can are hard to explain that there are now people that are like dedicating their lives to kind of yeah. exploring which is cool i think it's amazing i mean yeah. uh, tori i have to tell you like we're getting in a groove but i know we got to go here but uh yeah. man i tell you what see this is the magic the incredible yeah. synergy of giving time to this yeah just chatting i don't know you you don't know i know me. i feel look, like i know you right but see yeah. that's that's what we're not doing we're not doing this we're not just you get in 20 minutes you get 30 40 minutes all of a mm -hmm. sudden i actually felt it becoming yeah. more and more synergetic and like the connection the bond and you get a groove going you yeah. know the chemistry goes and uh i just i'm so glad you gave me some of your time mm. yeah it's this has been like the highlight of my week. I'm so Woo! glad as well. And um, yeah, I think it just speaks to the intention that you put behind your work and like creating this space to connect and to like have powerful conversations wherever they go. But there's um, they're all purposeful, you know, in their own yeah. way. And I just appreciate you for holding space and yeah. allowing, inviting me into it. So I hope I'll, it was uh, beneficial. It was definitely. And I'll tell you real quick before we go, maybe this is some good feedback is uh, it's not like somebody told me about you. I just kind of came across your mm. website. I was in, in health and stuff and I'm looking through your website. I'm reading through it. I'm like, I'm going to contact this person. Yeah. Because I don't really care if people tell me no. What's sure. that's, that's like the, is that the worst thing that's going to happen? Sure. It was like, I'm looking through it. I was like, this, there's a good conversation here. I'm pretty sure. Can I ask you what stood out? Just a, it's just a feeling like there mm -hmm. was a, I'm, I'm a big feelings person. I trust the feelings I get. Mm -hmm. And just like reading everything, like the about section, all the work you're doing. It reminded me of this woman. I, I, um, had in my podcast, Dr. Catherine Coder, hmm. you guys, were, you, it was like a, it was like a kind of a, a mirror image of this other oh. person who had such a great conversation with about uh, transpersonal psychology. It was fascinating cool. to me. And you reminded me of her, hmm. just your whole presence. And I was like, hmm. I'm going to talk to this person. I'm just going to yeah. send an email. Yeah. Hopefully somebody gets back to me. If they don't, eh, I tried. Mm. <laughs> like that's, that's, I mean, to me, it's like when, um, you ping somebody and you put it out there and what's meant to come back will come back. And it's like, yeah, yeah I feel like it was, it's exactly just a thing. I know. Like sometimes people, you know, people will pitch me to be on the show. And sometimes I'll just be like, no, 
Yeah. And like, and they're like, well, what, what was it? I'm like, honestly, it's hard to tell. Like mm-hmm. I didn't feel, I didn't feel it. And so, well, and mm-hmm. I think about too, cause I get pitched to be on a lot of shows and I turn down a lot of shows. And yeah. then I ask myself, like, why did I say yes to yours? Yeah. And I, I don't, I can't put a pinpoint in that either. <laughs> so it feels just destined in terms of like, well, you're supposed to have this conversation. Yes. And even if it stops here, it served me. It served me yes. well just to spend this time yes. with you. So most definitely. Well, thank yeah. you so much. And uh, Tori, please let everyone know how mm-hmm. they can connect with you and your coaching and everything. Sure. Love for you to yeah. do that. Um, I'd love for you guys to connect with me. I do run a podcast called Coachable Podcast. You can check it out. Um, obviously on Apple, Spotify. It's also YouTube, um, the full video. And then my website's torygordon.com. Uh, you can find basically everything that I do there and online on social media, on TikTok, Instagram. I am Coach Tori Gordon. So come out, hang out, tag me, DM me. My DMs are open. I'm happy to to get to know you guys. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Tori. For sure. Thanks for having me.